Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the uh, St. Paul's After Church Adult uh, Talks. Welcome on this uh, glorious uh, Super Bowl Sunday. And I uh, just wanted to uh, say good morning and well wishes to everybody. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be um, talking about a topic that has become very near and dear to my heart over uh, probably the last couple of years, but even more so even over the last several months. And that is the topic of uh, the Agbeya and uh, some of the prayers within the Agbeya. And today, specifically, we're going to be focusing on uh, one prayer or psalm within the Agbeya. And uh, so without further ado, I will start sharing my screen and we'll get down into the nuts and bolts of the talk. So I hope you enjoy the screen I'm going to share. It's uh, appropriately selected for today. And we find ourselves on the, I don't know, the 10 yard line here. Um, but I thought I'd take a unique approach to this. And the, the title of this talk is Wash Me Thoroughly. And uh, those of you who, uh, well, most of us probably recognize where uh, this little phrase comes from or have heard this phrase before. Um, and of course, it uh, is in Psalm 50, which is the second prayer uh, of uh, most, the second prayer of each hour of the Agbeah follow, you know, following the, uh, the prayer of Thanksgiving. And so I just wanted to um, really spend some time with this psalm and uh, talk about its impact, the impact that's had on my life and the impact uh, perhaps it should have on our lives. And um, so I took, I'm taking an approach here of kind of looking at uh, this through uh, a very uh, personal lens. And so uh, this, uh, to, to some extent, is almost a uh, group confession without, uh, from, from my part, without getting into the nuts and bolts of uh, my, actual, uh, my actual confessions, but uh, kind of walking you through some of the thought process that um, surrounds how I feel about myself uh, in the face of sin, how I feel myself, how I feel about myself, uh, you know, in relationship to God uh, during times of weakness and, and so forth. And what brought me to this um, situation or to, to this, to this point. So we start with, uh, with the first part of this which is the symptoms, so a bit of house cleaning. So over the years, really, uh, and, and this is uh, a picture of a very cluttered house. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Sherry and I and family recently moved from our lovely home in North Tustin to another lovely home in uh, North Tustin. We feel very blessed, but in the process of moving uh, a lot of the, and this is not a picture of our house, although I'm not sure our house looked too dissimilar to this at uh, some points during the move and our new house's garage may, may look similar to this as well uh, for the time being. But, um, you know, over, over the last seven or eight years we lived in our previous residence, uh, we accumulated a lot of junk, a lot of stuff, a lot of things that were gifted to us or things that we brought from our former uh, previous residence or things that we just amassed while we were there, some of which was useful and some of which was perhaps not, not so useful. 
but we you accumulated a lot of junk. And so when we were moving, um, we some of this kind of came out of the woodworks and uh, some of the things that we had uh, accumulated, we had clearly forgotten about. Some of the stuff that we had moved into that house with, not a lot, but some of it, we, we actually never unpacked. And so we were moving it for a second of time, which was still in a box. Um, and I, I realized something uh, about myself is that we too, spiritually speaking, carry a lot of uh, junk that's kind of hidden. And of course, we have a mechanism for cleansing that junk in our church through repentance and confession. But still, some of us allow this junk to kind of stay with us and uh, affect our lives uh, personally, emotionally, and spiritually. And um, so, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a reminder to myself as I watched ourselves, as I watched my family clearing out of our one house and moving to the next house that uh, we should be, that, that, that it just made me aware of uh, this aspect of my life spiritually as well. And so, you know, uh, the problem here is uh, really it's me, right? Um, the problem with uh, all this stuff that was accumulated, all this stuff in my life that uh, became junk, in quotes, uh, was stuff that I had amassed over the years. And likewise, in my spiritual life, this is stuff that I had accumulated uh, spiritually, stuff that I had heaped onto my life, sins that I had committed, transgressions that I had uh, committed. And um, I, I came to realize that uh, in many ways, I was the author of much of the clutter or much of the junk in my spiritual life. And, um, you know, maybe maybe James Played a, plays a little role in this, but uh, really it's it's me. Really it's uh, me who accumulated this stuff, although James definitely does destroy things and make things harder at times. He's also uh, a source of joy, believe it or not. Um, so, uh, but the problem really lies with, with me. I'm the author of much of, of uh, what is wrong in my life. We tend to blame other things, other circumstances at times, the devil, and sure, it, these all play a role in in this, but um, when it comes down to it, um, I am usually very aware of the sins I'm committing. I'm usually very aware of uh, the transgressions that are being committed. And, and that's a that's a source of sadness for me because, you know, um, I tend to <laughs> tend to think of myself as not being an idiot. And yet uh, I willfully uh, commit some of these sins. I willfully transgress. I willfully fall into uh, fall into iniquity, and so the problem, when we really look at it, lies with me. And maybe if we examine ourselves, we find that the problem lies within ourselves as well. So that's a bit of house cleaning. So moving on is the sickness, right? And uh, well, let's read uh, what. Uh, what King David says. So just to review Psalm 50, which is a beautiful prayer, a prayer that I have come to, to recite and pray uh, each morning before I leave the house. But let's start with it. In the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy great mercy. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my iniquity and my sin is ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned, 
and done evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified in thy words, and prevail when thou art judged. For behold, I was shapened in iniquity, and in sins my mother did conceive me. For behold, thou hast loved truth, the unclear and hidden things of thy wisdom thou hast made clear to me. Thou shalt sprinkle me with your hyssop, and I shall be clean. In some versions says, thou shalt purge me with thy hyssop, and I shall be clean. Thou shalt wash me, and I shall be made whiter than snow. Thou shalt make me hear the joy and gladness, the bones which thou hast broken shall rejoice. Turn away thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation, and steady me with a guiding spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and the impious shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open my, thou my lips, and my mouth shall declare thy praise. For if Hadst thou desired sacrifice, I would have given it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Sacrifices to God are a contrite spirit and a contrite and humbled heart. O God, thou will not despise. Do good, O Lord, in your good pleasure to Zion, and let the walls of Jerusalem be built. Then you should be pleased with sacrifices of righteousness, offering, and burnt sacrifices. And then they shall offer calves upon your altar. Alleluia. So a little history here. Uh, first of all, King David nailed it. Got, I mean, any of us who have spent time thinking about our lives and our spiritual lives and uh, when we fall into sin and how we feel when we fall into sin, the, the beauty of this prayer from King David, I mean, it's, it's absolutely uh, chilling. I mean, it, it, he, he absolutely captures how I have felt in the past when I sin and, and my requests uh, after having sinned, um, and it's it's really it's really amazing and uh, a beautiful prayer, and it it cuts to the heart of uh, of my soul when I when I sit and read Psalm 50 or pray Psalm 50. Um, the insight is is invaluable and really touching. And so my history, so, so let's, let's review first King David's history. King David, of course, we know this is a psalm that he prayed, or this is uh, that he wrote uh, after his transgression, after his sin of adultery, in which he actually uh, fathered a child, and he was con confronted by the prophet Nathan uh, after this, and this is the resulting prayer. So this is, you know, perhaps at the, the low point, the absolute low point of the life of King David in terms of his spiritual life. And this is his response to it. And so in the context of that, we can see why the words in the Psalm 50 are so powerful um, and why they resonate so strongly with us when we are introspective and when we think about our own spiritual lives. Um, and then, so taking that from that in the, in the context, like I mentioned before, you know, my history is uh, my mama didn't raise no dummy. You know, I, I'm very aware of most of the sins that I commit and most of the transgressions. So most of the time I know what I'm, what I'm doing is either good or what I'm doing is bad. 
or what I'm doing is sinful or not sinful, what I'm doing is good in the sight of God or not good in the sight of God. And the part that really bothers me personally is that even knowing what I'm doing is good or bad, even knowing that I should not be doing something or uh, should be fleeing a temptation or fleeing a sin, there are times in my life where I actually willfully and willingly walk into the sin, walk into the temptation, walk into the transgression. And that's the tough part that where I sit and really start to evaluate myself. How much do I actually love God if I'm doing these things? How much do I actually value my spiritual health? How much do I actually value my relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and God the Father? These are questions that I come to ask myself um, and really because of the realization that I am fully aware of where I am steering my ship at many times. And that's really the disappointing part of it. Um, and, you know, this is, this is something that I've had to come to grips with really in, in the last several years. I mean, I knew this uh, in, innately or knew this uh, for, for a long time, obviously many of us do, but it was really the confrontation of, of like, geez, in the context of knowing what you're doing is wrong, you still do it. And yet you claim to love God. You claim to be a child of God. You claim to be a Christian. You came to claim to be a Coptic Orthodox Christian. And um, it's, it's unsettling. It's difficult uh, to, to reconcile this feeling with the actions that I actually take. And uh, sometimes you feel like an imposter afterwards, like you're just pretending to be a child of God. You're pretending to be an Orthodox Christian. Sometimes uh, it's uh, sometimes, frankly, we ignore it and say, so what? Um, which obviously is not the, the correct response. So um, it's comforting to take it's comforting to take solace in the in the words and the prayer of King David, and uh, and this why Psalm 50 has become such a uh, powerful prayer in in my life, and we'll get into that a little bit more. So now it's time for a breakdown, uh, and there are several words that are used within the body of this prayer that I just want to spend some time on, and this is uh, given th these. Uh, Definitions are uh, taken from, um, uh, I believe it's an ancient faith uh, sermon from one of the priests on, on uh, presenting uh, this Psalm 50 to us on, on in a sermon. So these are not my own definitions. These are the definitions of someone far wiser. So the word transgression, this word has its in it the action of willful violation of a relationship. Right, so this this is transgression. You've transgressed a relationship, the breaking of a significant boundary between yourself and another person. A transgression is an assertion of some kind of power that breaks or wounds a relationship that has been formed by a covenant. Beyond that, transgression, King David's transgression or ours, violated his relationship to himself. And in Psalm 31, King David speaks there about the inner lack of peace, the inner anguish and the rust restlessness and even physical illness that his transgression caused him. Transgression creates broken relationships to everything it touches. It is an aggression that must be relieved. So think about this. This is a transgression or sin uh, or trans transgression or a willful violation of a relationship 
this is a willful violation willful violation of the relationship you have with the person you may have transgressed against so if it's in the case of king david against his uh, you know against uh, the the woman he committed adultery with against the uh, the the husband of the woman he committed adultery with this is a breaking of that relationship the the boundaries of that relationship furthermore it's a breaking of a relationship with himself it causes himself inner distress it causes himself inner anguish and restlessness and even physical illness that's that's uh, dis described um, and then finally it's it's a it's a violation or a breaking of the boundary or the relationship we have with god especially if we consider ourselves having the holy spirit living within us um, as as we know uh, does is the case it's it's a breaking of that relationship or that boundary it's a violation of that the sanctity of that relationship right so that's uh, that when we say the word transgression that's kind of what we mean and in the context of you know the psalm 50 uh we you know uh we say um you know we 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 echo we echo this word trans transgression uh, next is the word iniquity, and uh, at least by this priest's definition, iniquity is here is a profound word of disfiguration and defacing of humanity that engages in it. Iniquity is the lie that sin doesn't leave deadly after effects. Sin takes a person created to stand in the presence of God in blessed harmony and uprightness, and iniquity twists and bends and leaves that person in a state of enduring deviation from what God created. Iniquity is the inner twisted patterns and habits, cravings that are misplaced, out of control and out of proportion. Iniquity does to a human person what a head-on collision does to a beautiful new car. Dented, broken, twisted, no longer able to be what it was made to be. So think about this. This is basically a, dis a, a vast disfiguration or an intense disfiguration of what you're supposed to be. So it leaves you wounded. It leaves you disfigured. It leaves you not uh, in the image of God. It leaves that very distorted. And so iniquity, as we saw in the case even of Adam and Eve, this, this iniquity uh, was a disfiguration of the image of God. You know, and that's to, to, to this day, only through Christ can we heal that this disfiguration, right? Um, and so we know that uh, this concept of uh, original sin doesn't exist, but what, what did exist, uh, or, you know, the, the, the true concept of original sin as presented by some of the other churches is not an orthodox stance, but we know that what, what sin or what transgression created was, was iniquity or, or the, the profound disfiguration of what humanity should like. That's why we have disease in our world. That's why we have illness. That's why we have uh, death. That's why we have to labor for our food. All, all these things are the result of iniquity or this disfiguration. Finally, sin, um, and many understand that is well known as having the meaning of missing the mark. Uh, it's an archery, archery term where the the arrow misses the bullseye. In other words, it is the failure to meet the purpose of our life and then to live in a perpetual state of disorientation. We miss the place or the person to whom we need to go. When we exchange the goal of doing the will of God, our sin leaves us as the old party game, a blindfolded person who has been spun around and then left to find his way home. Sin reduces us to aimless wandering like Israel's 40 years in the wilderness, trying to find a path, a direction, a meaning. 
but never finding God who alone is always and is always our only true home, our safe harbor, our place of rest. So sin is kind of the, the agent where we uh, have missed the mark, where we are in a state of wandering, where we have been separated from God through the transgression, the breaking of the boundary, through the iniquity, which is the disfiguration, sin, uh, sin leaves us in this, as it says here, this perpetual state of disorientation. And I really like that these definitions because they help kind of frame Psalm 50 a little bit more tightly for me and help me understand perhaps uh, the intent of, of King David in his words. So again, uh, you know, in, in the orange sections, which is basically the whole prayer I've highlighted, um, you know, with the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my iniquity, my disfiguration, my distortion, and my sin, the missing your mark or the wandering is ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned and done evil in thy sight. The breaking of the bond here, the transgression that we're talking about. Um, that, and uh, we, you know, we continue uh talking about turn away your face from my sins, my, my wandering, my perpetual state of wandering, uh, and blot out all my iniquities, you know, repair the disfiguration, God, create me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Okay. So let's uh, move on here and talk about some of the treatments. And some of these treatments are tongue in cheek. These are some of the treatments that uh, perhaps surround us and are recommended for us. And we're gonna talk a little bit about them. So how do we fix this? How do we fix this broken boundary of the transgression? How do we fix the disfiguration? How do we get back and reorient ourselves to where we should be going? Well, there are, there are many solutions that are out there and let's talk a little bit about them. Well, solution one is, uh, Jean de la Fontaine. I've uh, learned never to trust anything that I can't pronounce uh, or the words from people whose names I can't pronounce. And so Jean de la Fontaine, who is, you know, a French uh, philosopher of sorts, uh, says, rely only on yourself. It is a common proverb. Well, um, this is a very common uh, sentiment echoed today. It's we're very much tied up in a, in a me culture. Um, everything, you know, Instagram is about me. Facebook is mostly, if we get down to it, really about me and showing myself. And um, a lot of us have come into this idea of self-love or self-empowerment. And I want to say something first. I'm going to go through four, four examples or three examples here and then one solution, a real solution. And none of these things are, are wrong in and of themselves, right? So, so relying on yourself to, to motivate yourself, to get yourself going is not, a, is not a bad thing, but it's not the solution. It's not the final answer to this, right? So each of these things may have a common thread or be of assistance or be of an aid. Um, so, you know, for instance, really examining yourself, really thinking about the things that you've uh, done wrong or things you'd like to improve about yourself. These are, th th that's an important part of, of the story here, but it's not the answer, right? So relying on ourselves, well, how's that working out for, for, for us? You know, I've, I've relied on myself for years and I find myself in quicksand, you know, or on a treadmill, not going anywhere. I'm, 
the same guy who does the same sins and the same transgressions and the same disfigurement that uh, that I had five, 10, 15 years ago, right? It may look a little bit different right now, but certainly I am incapable of lifting myself out of, out of this state. I have admitted earlier in this talk that I am well aware of the sins I commit. I'm most of the time, I'm well uh, the, these things are in front of me and yet I still march towards them and I still do them. So relying on myself uh, to fix this is not going to work and it has not worked. And I haven't met anybody who's truthful with themselves who actually says that that has worked in terms of their spiritual life, in terms of their relationship with God, repairing the this figurement, uh, reestablishing the bond that we have with God. This is not something that comes from relying on ourselves and we have to be aware of that. And I just want to say that this is very, very much a prevalent philosophy in the Orthodox Church. This is, you know, the life of the monks is, def is defined by this, right? The life of the faithful is defined by this. We do not rely on ourselves to repair our spiritual life. It is an impossibility. And anybody who was able to who is able to do that is is uh, is is a is a saint, saintly and I don't know that and even the saints I, I'm sure would would never uh, attribute this healing and this uh, reparation uh, to to themselves. Um, so something to think about. We cannot fix ourselves. So how do we fix it? Well, let's look at solution two here. Well, as the Beatles say, I get by with a little help from my friends. And again, uh, not, not a bad thing to, to have assist you in this journey, right? And in the terms of Christian parlance, we refer to this as um, fellowship, right? Uh, the assistance of your friends. But, but the reality of it, it is, you know, you can go ask for advice from your best friend, from the wisest friend you have. Uh, from your spouse, uh, from your brother or sister, from your parents, from your spiritual father, all these things can be helpful, but this is not going to repair you, right? I have yet to met somebody who said to me, well, I talked to, uh, I, I talked to my dad and now everything's okay. My spiritual life is, is on track. Or I talked to, uh, I talked to uh, Marshy and all of a sudden now everything's fine. Just kidding, Marshy, you're, you're fantastic. But, uh, but you get the point. Uh, our friends are not going to fix our internal spiritual struggles for us. They can advise us, they can help us, but be sure that when they do advise us and they do help us, that the source of, of, the, of the repair is not from the person, it's from elsewhere. And we'll, we'll talk about this. But again, we're not going to find it in ourselves. We're not going to find it in the people surrounding us, the answers to the battles of our spiritual life. Um, but they can, they can help, but they're not the solution. Um, so how do we fix this? Let's go to solution three, often presented by the world. Prescriptives. And this is just kind of a general term I kind of in, in, uh, made up for uh, some of the ways that we think about uh, the methodologies or the techniques we can use to heal our spiritual lives. So maybe, you know, great book, Atomic Habits. I've been part of the way through that and really have enjoyed it. And it's actually been helpful in some ways in certain aspects of my life. But, you know, James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, is not going to heal your spiritual life, right? We think sometimes, well, you know, this sin is just a bad habit. And so if I can break the cycle of this bad habit, I'll be okay. 
Well, you know, again, uh, habits are are usually viewed as things that are beyond control. It's not, it's, it's, you know, I need to smoke a cigarette because something triggered it and I got to a habit loop or a cycle. And, and here I am now because of, of that habitual ingrained thing within me. Well, like I talked about before, um, it's not necessarily a habit that causes to sin. Sometimes we march willfully into, into sins and well aware it's not a subconscious thing, right? So reading a book like Atomic Habits may help you, uh, assist you in techniques, practical techniques to avoid sinning. But when we sin compulsively because of our own volition, our own desires, um, it's not necessarily a habit. So a book like that is great to read. It can help us in many aspects of our life, but it's not going to be the solution to our spiritual lives. Then I have uh, to the to the right of that a picture of somebody receiving psychotherapy or counseling. Very important part of many people's lives and it's uh, life-changing in many in many aspects some people need psychotherapy medicines uh, things like that to to help them with their internal struggles and with their with their thoughts uh, and uh, poor habits poor poor destructive thinking in, within their lives and that can be a very important and helpful aspect of people's lives and therapy and coping with the day-to-day I don't minimize uh, psychotherapy or uh, or uh, psychiatry or psychology. These have certainly helped many people that, that I know, but it's not the solution to your spiritual struggle, right? It can be helpful. It can be a tool that assists, but it's not going to be the, the be-all and the end-all. And then my favorite is yoga, right? Nothing against yoga. I think it's wonderful to meditate and to relax and a, a good method to, uh, to really... Uh, balance yourself in some aspects of your life, but it's not going to heal your spiritual life, right? Doing downward dog or a pose or even, you know, Bikram or whatever, whatever exists out there is not going to fix your spiritual life. It can be an assist to helping you meditate. It can be assist to helping you get into a spot where you're spending time with God, but it's not a, it's not a prescription. It's not a cure. It's not a solution for the ills of our spiritual, spiritual life, right? So again, these prescriptives can be helpful within our lives, just as our friends can be helpful. And just with introspection and our, and we ourselves can be helpful in some regards, but it's not the solution. It's not the, the cure to the ills that we have within our spiritual lives, right? It's not the answer to, geez, why do I keep doing A willfully why am I a glutton willfully? Why am I greedy all the time? Why do I do this action? Why do I uh, violate this boundary with God? Why do I disfigure myself? You know, it's not the answer to, to, to these questions. So how do we fix it? And so the fourth solution is the actual, is the actual fix. And uh, you probably guessed what that is. And so, of course, that's none other than our God. Uh, God the Father, uh, Christ the Good Shepherd, right? So what does it mean to be a shepherd? Why, why is Christ described as the Good Shepherd? Well, it's exactly that. A shepherd is someone who maintains a flock, who keeps his sheep within the fold, who directs his sheep to remain within the fold, uh, who goes after the lost sheep into the wilderness to bring them back, right? So this is exactly one of the main roles of Jesus Christ in our lives as the good shepherd is to keep us within the fold. So when we break that boundary with him, 
when we disfigure ourselves, when we are wandering aimlessly spiritually in our lives, we know that Christ is there to bring us back into the fold as the good shepherd. And we need to come to rely on him. He alone, God alone, the Holy Spirit alone is the answer to, to this. And I, I have an icon of the, the Pentecost near just to remind us that we have an indwelling God within us. We have the Holy Spirit within us as a guide, as a comforter, as the spirit of truth. We call it sometimes conscious or conscious, which is completely incorrect when we find ourselves saying, well, I was headed towards sin A or sin B, and I this, and my conscious got to me and told me to stop. That's not your conscious. That's the Holy Spirit working within you. That's the Spirit of God working within you to, to redirect you back into the fold, right? And, and, and we alone, as Christians, have this indwelling God within us. No other faith, no other, uh, no other technique has God assisting you within you. Right. And so we, we need to really focus on that and understand that. So Christ, the good shepherd, always directing us back into the stable and to the and to keep us with the flock, to heal the boundary that we've broken, to repair the disfiguration that we've created and to uh, to bring us back from wandering aimlessly like the Israelites in the desert for 40 years. So that's how we fix it. Right. Me, not so good. Friends maybe can help a little bit. Uh, prescriptives like books or philosophies or uh, psych psychotherapy, yoga, whatever we turn to can be helpful, calming us down, bring us into a different state of mind. But none of these three in and of themselves can be the cure or the fix. And that's what we really find in the beauty of Psalm 50, right? So let's go back and review Psalm 50 just a little bit before we, we end here, okay? So I really want to focus on grace and repentance, right? Um, look at some of the words in the Psalms. Spend time with the words. Meditate pray prayerfully on these words. You know, we read these words. Part of the problem in our, in, in, in our minds is that we see these prayers so frequently that we just recite them sometimes. But when you're reciting them, spend time with the words, sit and pause, and even repeat some of the, the words that are being said and internalize them, make them your words, and see if that creates a difference in you. Don't just say, let's get thanks on the beneficial and merciful God, the Father of our Lord, God and Savior, Jesus Christ, for he has covered us, helped us, guard us, accept us, unto him, spared us, support us, and brought us not sour. Many of us do that, and I do that sometimes, but that's exactly the wrong way to pray, right? Um, you know, it should be, let us give thanks unto the beneficent and merciful God, the Father of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, for he has covered us, helped us, guarded us, accepted us unto him. Spend time with those words, and likewise, spend time with the words in Psalm 50. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, right? That's who's healing us. Who are we asking to do it if we're asking God to do it? God to wash me from my iniquity, God to cleanse me from my sin. It's not help me flee iniquity, help help me repair the iniquity, help me cleanse my, myself. It's no, we're asking God to do so. Uh, King David's asking God. Thou hast loved truth, the unclear and hidden things of thy wisdom thou hast made clear to me. So God is who makes these things clear to us. God is the one who brings us to the attention. The Holy Spirit specifically makes clear clear the hidden things of, of God's wisdom. 
thou shalt sprinkle me with hyssop. And again, I also love the word purge me with hyssop, right? And I shall be clean. So who's cleaning? Who's, who's doing the action here? It's God, right? It's God the Father. It's not ourselves. It's not our friends. It's not whatever technique we've found to assist us in our lives. It's God who's doing the healing. Thou shall wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And then the next part of the prayer really gives God his due as the creator, because he's the only one who cre can create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. What is that? That's a transgression, right? Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't uh, break that boundary. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Very interesting that the, the, the idea of the Holy Spirit is present even in the prayer of King David. Very aware of the Holy Spirit, right? Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and steady me with a guiding spirit. You know, some other translations uh, <clears throat> say, do not cast me away from your face and do not re restore your, remove your Holy Spirit from me. You know, this is beautiful imagery in my mind. Don't, don't cast me away from your face and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And then finally, um, where it really comes down to uh, the, the agent of action from our parts in this in this in this relationship in this healing process thou delightest not in burnt offerings sacrifices to god are a contrite spirit and a contrite humbled heart O god thou will not despise what are these sacrifices of a contrite spirit what does it mean what is a contrite and humbled heart well that is a heart of repentance right that's no other description i mean king david could have just said um you know sacrifices to god are repentance right we must humble ourselves bring ourselves before god say god i did this sin willingly i did this sin knowingly and i'm sorry and i want to change and i want to 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 be different knowing that he is the one who cleans he's the one who repairs the boundary and the disfigurement and brings us back into the fold right but we must come to him saying these things we must come to him in humility and bow before him and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I did these things wrong. God, I am repenting, right? So King David could have used the word repentance there instead. And let's listen to some of the beautiful wisdom of the church, church fathers and mothers as uh, regarding repentance, right? So two wonderful uh, quotes, one by St. Isaac the Syrian, repentance is the gate of mercy which is open to all who seek it. And that's really the beauty of the inclusivity of our faith, right? Repentance is there for everybody, right? No matter what you've done, no matter what sins you've committed, no matter what transgressions you've committed, no matter how disfigured and how broken the bond is between you and God, repentance is the gate of mercy, which is open to all who seek it. And we must realize this. We should never be in despair and say, God, I am too far away from you and I am not coming back because I am too far, I'm embarrassed. Humble yourselves and understand that repentance is the gate of mercy, which is open to all who seek. God wants us to re-enter through that gate. He wants us back in the fold. Christ the Good Shepherd wants to bring us back, chasing after the lost sheep. Of course, we have the, the wisdom and the beautiful spirituality of our uh, St. Pope Crowless. I don't know why we always call him St. Pope Crowless. Maybe if you just call him St. Crowless the Sixth or St. Crowless now, I don't know. But uh, if you happen to fall into temptation, do not let the guilt of sin be an obstacle to prayer. If you cease praying, 
till you repent, you will never repent, for your prayer is the door to genuine repentance. And again, this is something that we have to understand. What's the mechanism where we can get to uh, get to to prayer. Well, prayer really, if you think about it, is an act of humility. Why do we pray? Well, we pray because we uh, give thanksgiving. That's an act of humility, attributing thanks to someone greater than you. Uh, praise, also an act of humility, praising somebody or some entity greater than you. And then requests, knowing that you are incapable of providing these things for yourself. This also an act of humility, right? So prayer teaches us humility and in doing so, teaches us repentance. And as St. Isaac the Syrian says, if we repent, the gate of mercy is open to all who seek it. So these two, these two words of wisdom from the, some of the great saints of our church are very instructive. So again, repentance, right? Um, and so we go back to the father of uh, monastic life, uh, St. Anthony the Great, whose feast we celebrated, I believe, last week. Do not establish your previously committed sins in your soul by thinking about them so they, did not, so they not be repeated in you. Be assured that they were forgiven you the time that you gave yourself to God and to repentance. In that, do not doubt. You know, sometimes we come across this defeatist philosophy of um, of this defeatist philosophy of saying, well, I've sinned God. So I, you know, I'm just gonna, I, I can't come back to you right now. That's exactly the wrong way to think about things. Right. And we know that we're incapable of stopping some of these, you know, you know, some of these sins are habitual. Some of them are very, we enter very knowingly and some habits are entered knowingly, but you know, we can't, we can't stay away from God and not offer repentance just because we say, oh, geez, I've fallen into the same sin yet again. This is the trickery of the devil, right? Um, be assured that we're forgiven once we repent and confess these, these sins. So these words from St. Anthony the Great kind of remind us not to defeat our own selves in, in, in this and allow God to work within us. And finally, uh, you know, uh, two very beautiful uh, <clears throat> quotes, one from St. Therese of Lisieux, a saint in the Catholic Church, who many of us are familiar with in St. Paul's because uh, we've read uh, some of the writings of uh, Father Jacques Philippe, who talks about her often. And she says she's, she's a very simple-hearted person, and so um, there's a beauty in the simplicity of what she says here. I feel that if I had every imaginable crime on my conscience, I should still not lose my confidence with my heart broken by repentance, I should throw myself into the arms of my savior. There's just such beauty in this, right? No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad things have gotten, if we had confidence in ourselves to repair these things, it would be desperate. It, we'd have no solution, right? That me is not a solution for, for any of this. But she has her confidence in God. She has her confidence in the arms of her Savior, Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father, right? We throw ourselves into the arms of our Savior. He is the one who heals. He is the one who restores the, the, the disfigurement, you know, repairs the disfigurement, restores the bond between God and ourselves. And so I really love this quote. Uh, we put our confidence with my heart broken by repentance, humility. We throw ourselves into the arm of, arms of our Savior. And then um, one that I feel like putting on my wall because it's so profound is from St. John Climacus, um, uh, who wrote uh, the, the, um, the Ladder of Divine Ascent. 
Uh, to repent is not to look downwards at my own shortcomings, but upwards at God's love. Think about that. That's amazing. To repent is not to look downward at my own shortcomings, but upwards at God's love. And what was King David doing? He wasn't looking at his self for the repair. He was looking not at his sin of adultery and uh, fathering a, a child out of wedlock. Uh, he was looking upward to God to heal him, right? So keep that in mind. To repent is not to look downwards at my own shortcomings, but upwards at God's love. It is not to look backwards with self-reproach. Don't look at your past. Don't look at the things that you've done, but forward with truthfulness. It is to see not what I have failed to be, but what by the grace of Christ I might yet become, right? It's amazing. Like it's, it's, I had like chills when I first read this uh, quote. So let's just read it without me interrupting it because when I interrupt it, it's not as good. So let's say one more time to repent is not to look downward at my own shortcomings, but upwards at God's love. It is not to look backwards, but backwards with self reproach, but forward with trustfulness. It is to see not what I have failed to be, but what by the grace of Christ I might yet become. St. John Climacus. So at the end of this, uh, we ask God and only God to be the one who washes us thoroughly, the one who purges us, the one who makes us whiter than snow, the one who heals the disfigurement of the, trans uh, the, the, the disfigurement of the iniquity, who repairs the bond of the transgression, who brings us back into the fold after the sin. And we thank God for his presence in our life and his doctoring towards us. So again, um, thank you for uh, paying it. Thank you for listening to this talk. I hope this is helpful in some ways. This is stuff I've been thinking about for, for a long time. Um, and through the grace of our church and the guidance of our spiritual fathers uh, and uh, the, the writings of our fathers and mothers in the church, I'm uh, hopefully able to, to encourage you to spend time with Psalm 50 when you pray it. Um, like I said, uh, Thanksgiving prayer and Psalm 50 are two prayers I, I, I pray before leaving the house every day now, and they make a difference in my life. God bless you, and uh, I don't know, don't want to, I'm not going to endorse any team, although if Tom Brady loses, I won't be sad. Take care.